You're listening to Early Doors Football Podcast with host Mark Roach and co-host Dylan Kerr, Tom Watt and Sherelle Casal, a For The Now media production. Welcome to episode six of the Early Doors Football Podcast and we'd like to dedicate this episode to World Cup winner and goal-scoring legend Jimmy Greaves. RIP Jimmy and our thoughts are with Jimmy's friends and family. Our guests this week are Noel Blake, Gordon Hill and Sophie Harris. But first, it's time for... Highlight of the week. And plenty of contenders as usual, but the highlight of the week goes to a team who are flying high in the Premier League. So, take it away, Sky Sports. Oh, headed on, and in! Danny Welbeck! Leicester undone by another set-piece! And Welbeck has his first goal of the season. Yes, that was Brighton and Hove Albion, who won 2-1 against Leicester to finish the weekend in fourth place. And now it's time to introduce our first guest, it's Noel Blake. Noel, welcome to the show. You played as a defender for a number of clubs, including Aston Villa, Leeds and Stoke. And you also managed England under-19s. But tell us a bit about what you've been doing for the last few years. Yeah, it's been a really a bit of a, you could say a bit of mixed bag in, in some respect. Um, again... Don't know if you, I, I, you, you know, Dill, and I know, I know Tom's aware of it, I don't know if Mark's aware of it. I had a, after I left the FA um, for five, six years ago now, and then I went to Blackpool briefly. And then not long after, I had a stroke, and that absolutely battered me, um, more emotionally than physically. In fact, it was physically, obviously, but uh, more emotionally. And it got to a stage where, you know, you were sort of, you, you went through the spell, the depression set in, sat in, and you, you know, you, you, I went through a spell where I didn't know where I was, you know, contemplated all sides, all, all sorts of things. You know, the end was nigh, you know, I had no sort of uh, control of what's going on around me, you know, um, and stuff. And then, the, then, then, as a product of having the stroke, the legacy of having a stroke is uh, the fatigue syndrome sets in. So then that took its toll. And then I decided, you know, I, I'd love, to, you know, the way I worked, the way I coach. I can't coach where I wanted to coach, where I've always coached, you know, with drive and enthusiasm or what have you. And I couldn't do it anymore. Um, today I was fine. And then tomorrow I'm absolutely shattered. You know, I've got no energy and what have you. So I decided to start something up, a little bit of um, consultancy. Um, he looks after young players who've been released um, and who are thinking come back into the game and in a bit of an agency sort of thing and trying to help them come back in. Um, and also I do bits and pieces, you know, for the LMA, you know, what I call KMIs and so on and so forth and open to all, all sorts of different things really within that. And so I'm trying to keep myself busy um, whilst trying to still try to live it at the same time, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, you know, but yeah. I have to say, you know, anybody that's played the game or whatever, been involved to the level I have been, I miss coaching. Coaching is my passion, but I can't physically can't do it to the, the level I would like to do it. Um, and therefore, I'm not going to shortchange anybody. 
you know. Um, and that's, so I'm doing the consultancy, which I've formed, I think it's four years now, five years. And okay, it's not, uh, I'll be honest, it's not giving me what I want at the moment from a return, but as the old saying goes, small steps climb mountains. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. I mean, that must be hard for you because as a player, as we played together, and as a coach where I came to Exeter and, and worked with you, as you said, you know, I agree with you, that energy, that, that, that way that you want to coach, you're not allowed to do it anymore. I mean, that must have been tough for you to, you know, take that step out of it, especially when you were involved with the England under-19s. I mean, the, the players that you brought through and the players that, you, that are playing now from that setup. I mean, you must miss it. Oh, I miss it enormously. And, you know, it'd be a life, a life I said, if I said I didn't miss it, I miss it every day. You know, I'm one of these, as a kid, I was always either playing, watching or reading. I've got shoot magazines in my garage coming out, coming out of the rafters, yeah. match weekly, you know, they're all in there. Um, you know, maybe only if you can see behind me, a lot of autobiographies from former, you know, former players and so on and so forth. If I wasn't playing, I was reading or watching. You know, I've still got videos from yesteryear. I've got the old VHS videos and stuff like that. Um, at some point, I'll try and convert them into DVDs, um, you know, the footage and so on and so forth. So it's a passion of mine. The game is a passion of mine, you know, um, and that sort of thing. So it, it, it's been hard. It's, I make no bones about it. It's been hard, my sort of lack of involvement or non-involvement in that side of the game. But life goes on. You know, um, and I count my blessings. Um, a good friend of ours, Dylan Brendan Ormsby, you know Brendan, what Brendan's been through. Yeah. And, you know, is it, far worse off than, you know, health-wise than I am, you know. And then Brendan and I made our debut. I made my debut alongside Brendan for Villa against Tottenham all them years ago. And when I saw him at Ron Saunders' funeral, you know, it just left me flabbergasted, you know. But that's, that's you know, so I, I, again, I'm thankful to still be around. Um, doing something, um, albeit not what I want to do, given the choice, but, you know, I'm still doing something. Yeah, but no, you get one or two of those boys who've had what is probably, uh, you know, I, I often try and get my head around what it, what it would be like, you know, getting that knocked back, whether it's a 16 or 18 or, a, you know, 19 or 20. <clears throat> Effectively, what it comes down to is being told you're not good, being rejected. And to help those boys come back into the game is, it may not be exactly what you want, but I'll tell you what, that support must be exactly what they want and exactly what they need. And you, you know what, Tom, it, it's, you're absolutely right because it's alongside it, I do what a, a mentoring programme alongside it because uh -huh. I'm a qualified mentor inside the game and I'm a qualified mentor outside the game. Yeah. And I have lads, I speak to them all the time, you know, and I've taken a lad from a local non-league club not far from where I live in, in, in Staffordshire. And it's time for Salford City. You know, he got released mm -hmm. at uh, Wolves as a kid and then got released yeah. at um, Burton Albion. He's now at Salford City, you know, and that gives me great pleasure. There's another lad, um, he was released at Port Vale, took him into Stoke, he signed for Stoke and he's alone at Bristol Rovers. He's no longer my client, but the fact of the matter is that's what we do. You know, and, and so on, so on. so I get a great, I get honestly, I get a great cause out of it. You've had a huge impact on a young life there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone who was looking at perhaps that whole football thing being over, mm. and you've helped steer them back yeah. towards what it is they love, what you love. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, 
here to play? For me, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a no-brainer in, in, in some regard because it, as I always say to people, somebody believed in me when I was a young lad. Mm. And sometimes I listen, you speak to some clubs now and they all, they're all about experience, experience, experience. And I always say to some of them, listen, you've got to give these lads the opportunity to gain experience. We were all young, we all had to be young once before we yeah. come on that so-called experience train. If they've got potential, that's the key for me. You see something, yeah. you believe in it. A diamond don't become a diamond to start with. You've got to shape it. You've got to shape it. You know, you've got to dig it, cut it, shape it, mold it. You name it, you've got to do it. And then, you know, uh, whether it's a, a male or a female, or buy a bit of diamond and away they go. And they can display it. Yeah. And the player's no different. You've got to take time with the, with the young player and be patient with them. Um, and you'd be surprised what you, what you can see. You can be surprised. And you've got to have, as, as the player, and you'll know this better than most, particularly because you, you, know, you had that go at, with coaching and management, is you need opportunity. And you that, need uh, opportunity. And you know, uh, some, some youngsters are getting knocked back out of football, nothing to do with their football, just people can't be bothered with them. Do you know what I mean? Because they've got what other people view as baggage or, you know, that they're difficult or they're, you know, they may come from difficult backgrounds. They may come from difficult family situations. They may have, you know, quote unquote, an attitude. And they get not bad for that. People go, well, I can't be bothered with all that. And actually there's ability in there and there's, you know, there's, there's a future in there if it's given an opportunity. And that's absolutely right. You know, and that's what I'm talking about with, with, with clubs or scouts or whatever. Experience, you don't get experience overnight. It's like you're in a classroom, you, you know, kids take the time to come through and they develop at different different rates or not, you know? And that's it. And if you've got the time and the energy to help these young young lads, or in, in, in some cases, young girls now, because the female game is kicking on as well, you've got to, you have to be patient with them. You have to be patient with them. You know, the amount of players that's been knocked back and then, Four years down the line, they go, hang on a minute, he's turned up somewhere else and he's flying. Again, yeah. greatest example in, in the Premier League now, and I've been for the last, oh, God knows how many years, has been Jamie Vardy. Yeah. You know, I watch a lot of non-league games and there are some very, very good young players out there who've been released by clubs far, far too soon, in my opinion. Far, far too soon. I remember, you know, when I was working with the FA and doing the England thing, Big Premier League club, renamed name was, and I mean, a big Premier League club, top six Premier League club. He used to go and speak to the, to, the, to the staff about young players, and they would go, I can't get him to do this, and I can't get him to do that. He's not doing this. And that. And so I said, to, I used to say to him, What was it that he did that you brought him into the club in the first place? Why don't you concentrate on that? And then tickle along the bits that you think he, he, he's, not got the, he's not doing correctly. And before you know where you are, keep his strengths going and work as his, on his so-called deficits. And over a period of time, it will come through. And that's, a, well, that, that's, that's to do with identifying them as talents as well. You'll remember the great, <clears throat> late, great Jim Smith. I remember yeah. him saying to people, he said, when I'm, when I'm looking to sign a player, <clears throat> I'll only ever go and watch him twice. Because if I watch him more than twice, I start seeing the things he can't do. 
<laughs> and I'm signing him for the things he can do. And I can see that in the first couple of games. And the more times I watch him, the more I'm thinking, oh, but he's, he's, he doesn't quite do that or he's not great at that. And that shouldn't be the concern. You look and you say, what can he do? And does he do that well enough that he can make my team better? But often you feel like, oh, we'll have, you know, we'll have 10 scouts go and watch him. We'll have all the data analytics. We'll have all of this. You can have too much information. So I'm you just want one person to look and take a chance. Yeah. And you've also got to believe in your conviction. You've yeah. also got to believe in your conviction. And you, you, if you, you know what you're looking for and you're, you can identify talent, yeah, and then you start to put that talent in an environment in your head. You're thinking, okay, three, four years down the line, where can I see him? What has he got that I like? What has he got that I like? Yeah? And you can leave, leave your size behind because his size is irrelevant until it comes to a point where you think he's going to be a central defender. You want this, whatever your criteria you want, a goalkeeper or a centre forward, what, what criteria you're looking for. Because as a young kid growing up in Birmingham, the amount of people told me I was never going to be good enough or not good enough. And I've never... Well, I had that one, believe me. I, I know that one. I know that yeah. scenario. Yeah, I've never forgotten it, you know. Um, and so equal when people rejected me, I look at it the other way and say, oh, kind of it. somebody believed in me. Why would I keep rejecting people if I think they've got something? I want to give them the opportunity, like you rightly said, Tom. Opportunities is the key. Uh, you know, allow them to either prove you right or prove you wrong. But if you don't give them the opportunity, you'll never know. I mean, no, no, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in South Africa. It, yeah. It's so, so interesting what you're saying to me because, you know, that's what I've tried to do in, in, in the three clubs I've worked for over the last two and a half years. And, and at the end of each season, you know, we've had to go as, as different ways because I'm trying to bring that mentality to these clubs to give players that they, the chairman will just take players out of the team because he doesn't like them. You know, not because he values his, 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 his performance or values him at the club. He'll get rid of him and he'll bring another four players in that he wants to think or that he believes that are going to be good enough and they're, and, and they're not. Mm. You know, so I'm, I'm actually glad you're saying, you, you, you know, Tom asked that question because, you know, it's like sometimes I'm banging my head against a brick wall when you, you, you're trying to put the right ideology into these chairmen's uh, minds to be a better club and to be a successful club, but they, you know, they, they tend not to, well, they don't listen. They think they know better. And it, it, it's frustrating, but I'm, I'm actually glad, you know, you, you know what you've said there, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do in this, in this country. Well, you, you don't equally, Dylan, you see, you, you've got to also remember that other, other people in the past have maybe put to mind, planted some seeds in their minds. And then from their point of view, this is, this is the right way to go. So your, you know, with, with what you, with your record, what you've done, you've said to them, listen, this is a, probably a better way to work and to, to for, for the club to advance. But they're not, they're not paying attention to you, and you can only go along with people for so long. And if they don't want to change, and that's the biggest thing for I always find with people, change only comes around if people want to make the change, and you stick mm -hmm. with your beliefs. My belief is that, given the opportunities, there's young talents out there given the opportunity, there's talents out there. And, you know, when they've been rejected, it's like when you fall over 
if you stay if you stay down, you're never you're never gonna do anything. But the minute you get up, you've got a chance of doing something. You've got a yeah. chance of doing something, so you can, you can go again. If you're down there, you can't do anything. You're just wallowing in self pity. The minute you get up, and I wallowed in self pity for a long time without realizing it. I wallowed in it without realizing it. You know, because I felt a failure. With all I'd achieved in the game or whatever, I felt a failure. You know, but then I started to realize, no, you're not a failure. Look around you, you're not a failure. Circumstances dictating what, what's going on. You can't do anything about what, what's happened health-wise or what have you. So what are you going to do about it? And that's the mentality I, 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 I have. That's the approach I take. With the young lads I work with, you've been rejected. If you come with me, I can help you in my way to show you another path to help, help you get back on it, you know? And you may not go to, 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 the, to the stars, but you'll get to a certain level where you, where you can earn a few quid, but also show people, showcase your talent. I just want I just wanted to ask about talking about young players, but sort of at the other end of the spectrum, if you like. You know, when when you're involved with the England age groups, because you work with the under 19s, but you worked across the age groups for a while for the yeah. FA, didn't you? Right. And yeah. I just you just look, I, I just get the feeling, Noel, that when you arrived and that your time at the FA was pretty kind of fundamental with a, a, a lot of things changing and people thinking about, have we been doing things the right way? Do we have to, you know, do things a dip? And you look now at the success, obviously, of the senior team, but really you look at the success age groups, you know, you, you're talking about getting the European Championship finals, you're looking at, at winning under-17 World Cups. That you uh, Could you see the seeds of... Because I think we are, you know, the FA, to its credit, is kind of running age groups as well as running the national team. Better than it has, I would, I would argue, in living memory. Do you know what I mean? Because it's all joined up. You know, we you like get that. the feeling that the, that the youngest players are joined up to the senior players who, who lost in the final of the European Championships this summer. Do you know what I mean? It's, and there's a, there was a lot going on when you were involved. Now, I just wonder... Have you kind of expected this sort of success to follow? You could, you could see, because of the level of play that was coming through, and also, mustn't forget the, the advent of the academy system. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. different change of ethos within that as well. Um, where we, the way, again, I'm one of them. I don't like to talk about myself to a degree, but what, what we were doing, we only had six national coaches, uh, national scouts. So it's a little bit different to how they're doing it now when Dan Ashworth came in and we went, we went to our national coach. We were coach educators as well as, as, as coaches and you saw talent. Okay. Some people may say was, we, you know, we were a bit fragmented or a little bit this or a little bit that, but we knew we identified talent. We identified talent. I'm happy to say when the last world cup went out, squad that went out to world cup in uh, Russia, there was 18 of the 23 that I'd worked with at some level within the England setup at some level, the England setup. You know, um, but yes, they they they've taken it onto another level, and rightly so. They've taken it onto another level, and credited to Dan Ashworth and, 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 and his staff and the current staff have taken it on again because yeah. they're making the feet the kids feel more. And St George's Park has been a godsend because when we first started, we didn't have St George's Park. St George's was only I think it came in twenty twelve. Yeah. Uh, St. George's actually opened properly. We were going all over the place, off to Warwick University, down to Reading, wherever we were, we were all over the country. You know, we, had, we didn't have a base, you know, and so, but so they've, they've done well and it's, it's, it's gone to another level and they've kicked it on again. And the talent's there. 
and go back to the opportunity before they weren't been given the opportunities as such. Um, but now they've been exposed and at a younger age and they're coming through. They're coming through. Yeah. And you know? to be fair, a lot of those, you know, you talk about those 18 out of the 23 that went to Russia, you look at the, the, the squad that competed the European Championships. And yeah. you're right. I mean, obviously things have been, a lot of good things have been happening in academies. But at the same time, you look at those players and actually look at where they come through. And a lot of them have come through outside the Premier League. You know, they're not all graduating from the kind of top shiny multi-million pound academy set. You know, they're coming through at, you know, Sunderland's and they're coming through at Sheffield United's. They're coming through at Barnsley's. They're coming through. You know what I mean, there is, well, it comes back to opportunity, but, you know, you, but if the those thing lads that will learn things. Those lads will learn things that kids in academies in at the top level will wait an age to discover because they're playing under under 23 football, which is basically yeah. non-competitive. Whereas the those thing. ads are out playing football in, in the championship, in League One, even in League Two, and they're learning how to compete. Quick couple of things on that, Tom. Take uh, a lot of clubs, the big, the big club, like you're right to say, they'll go to a Cap 1 or a Cap 2 or a Cap 3 club and, and purchase a young talent, yeah? yeah? John Stone's played for England. While he was at Barnes on the 19s. Patrick Bamford played while he was at Forest. Kyle Walker played while he was at um, Sheffield United and so on and so forth in age groups. So that's the, that's the point that's the point they're making. So club, the bigger clubs don't always they don't always the, the, the players don't always come to the bigger clubs. Yeah. They come from lower down sometimes or on par or QPR. I'm not saying QPR are not a big club. Raheem came from QPR, they went to Liverpool, and the rest is history, so to speak. We picked him while he was at, at um, QPR and stuff like that on the 15s, you know, in the system and so on and so forth. And that's the sort of thing. Then they go to the bigger clubs, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, so, again, I, did, I, I didn't mind where, where, where I picked... He's uh, <laughs> at West Brom now, lad, uh, Matty Phillips, the winger. Uh -huh. I picked Matty for England. He scored, didn't he? He scored this weekend. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I pressed him. I picked Matty for England when Matty uh, was playing for Wickham Wanderers. Same as Joe Knight, you know, but they're yeah. talented players. It doesn't matter where they come from, you know. Yeah. You no, absolutely. Player, I mean, I, I went to see, I went to see um, an under 17s at the European Championships. You know, when we played it here, that, that we played our games at Burton, that we hosted yeah. the European Championships. Um, when Steve Cooper was, was running yeah. the under 17s, Steve Cooper, bless him, was picking a centre forward who didn't have a club. <laughs> he didn't have a club I can't remember the lad's name he came from Merseyside and I think he's got a club now but at yeah. the time he didn't have a club yeah. but that didn't stop Steve going I believe in the kid well years ago that wouldn't have been allowed to happen you see no it wouldn't have been no. allowed to do that because they have to be attached to a club and so on and so forth yeah you know? no no but, he was, yeah. what's his name centre forward centre forward someone out there will know who I'm talking about and I'm, I'm oh. sure he got. I'm sure he got a club very quickly after that. But you know, you're talking about competing at an under 17. Yeah. You know, wearing an England shirt at under 17, and you haven't got a club. Yeah. Tom, you and what you need Tom, is an opportunity. Tom, sorry to jump in, but I'm getting my ass kicked by Matt, uh, by Mark. He says I've got to wrap it up. Very good. I'll going, shut up. I'll shut know, up. Got, Tom, honestly, I love it. I love the. I love the crack we have, and Noel. Um, I'm just 
I'm honoured and I'm proud that I'm sat opposite you. You're in England, I'm in South Africa, Tom's in England, Mark's in England, and, and I love this banter. Unfortunately, we've only got a certain amount of time. Um, but thank you, Noel, for, for being part of this. And I really, really appreciate it. I really no, mean Paul, you, know, you, you know, you know, you're only going to ask me. We're friends, and, and you're a good friend. And anytime you ask me if I can help you, you know, I will always come and help you, Paul. Don't worry about that. Love you, Seth, Noel. Love you, no, love you today. You know that. Likewise, Paul. Like, you, you man, stay well, no. Stay well. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Thank guys. You, no. Cheers, Tom. Okay. You, you know. God bless. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. And our next guest is Manchester United legend Gordon Hill. And a warm welcome to the show to you, Gordon. I, I know you've lived in the USA now for many years. So tell us a bit about what you've been up to the last few years. Yeah, it's very... The weather is very similar to the UK. So... For me, this was, you know, if I'd have found this place 15, 20 years ago, I most probably would have stayed here then. But uh, you move around, obviously, when being a player and being a coach, you're all over the place, you know, you're, you're asked. And I'm more of a developer now. I develop young players. You, you go through the stages as being a player, then you become a, a senior player, then you retire, then you become a coach. That's if you follow the line. And then after that, you, you develop, you know, you, you get involved in clubs, you know, you find out the true word of manager or managership that, that I went through. I went to Chester um, and, you, you know, you're hired to be fired. So you, you get in the game, you try to pass on, um, you battle your way. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's the usual stuff. And I've been really had my own company, United Sports, now for oh, God, must be like 15, 20 years, where I develop young players. So I try not to be associated with any club, but be able to let them see all the players that are being developed. I enjoy it. Um, I passing on, you know, it's not, it's not about me anymore. It's, you know, it never, never was. It was all about the young players that are coming through that I can help maybe to go into the pro world, go into a college, go to another level. Um, and the States was something that I really, really thought needed it when I first came over. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm doing now. So my son and I are together coaching and, um, um, yeah, the, the young and the old. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you obviously, you played for England. You, you... Obviously, yeah. you're very well known for playing for Man United, won the FA Cup. Uh, I think I'm right in saying you were top scorer for two seasons in, in uh, was it 77 and 78 at Man United? I, I, I don't look at my stats, but I, look, I, I mean, to be honest with you, Mark, I think players that follow themselves are really, you know, it's up to them. But I don't follow. I just enjoyed scoring and it, it, it wasn't a case of the FA Cup, the League Cup, uh, Champions League as they would call it now. Um, it didn't bother me. It was just scoring goals and scoring goals in front of old, in, in front of, you know, 55, 60,000 people at Old Trafford was, was something that you get used to and you don't get used to because when you get used to scoring and you score, you, you know that behind you. But when you don't score and you have a little bit of a drought and don't forget, I was played on the left-hand side. So I was delivering as much to Stuart Pearson and Jimmy Greenoff. Uh, little Lou Macari was just phenomenal. Um, 
if I didn't score or I missed the set, I, I, I felt it because the Stretford end and everybody else would let me know. And um, I think if you go there and you produce it, I think then they take to you, like I did when I was at Millwall. You know, even it was a smaller crowd. I went there, I did my business, and they and 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 you know they 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 looked at me and said, you know, you're one of us, which I was. And then I moved to United, which was a much bigger scene, bigger stadium, a lot more people. The noise was just deafening. Um, you know, especially coming from Millwall with about nine, ten thousand people. Um, and then going to 60,000 people, you know, 54, 55 was a regular. So, and now that it's 70,000, goodness gracious me, you know, it's even, I, I don't know where they were going to put them, to be honest with you, Mark, 70,000 people, because there's no room behind because there was a station. There's no room other side because there was a little bit of a, a, a dual carriageway up there. So, yeah, it's, it's just evolved. It's just got, you know, the... The game, the club has got bigger and bigger. And, uh, and of course, there's been some fantastic players and I was very fortunate enough to be one of them. And talking of, of players, um, I've just been watching something on the BBC Fever Pitch looking at the when the Premier League started. And I've got to um, episode two and they're talking right. about when, when Eric Cantona came in. And there's, yep. a very, there's a very popular view that obviously Alex, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson hadn't, won a league title for, for quite a few years when he first came in at Manchester yeah. United. Then Eric Cantona came in and a, a lot of people have a feeling that he was the catalyst for all the success. Do you go along with that? No, no. United create their own success. They find ways of actually creating that. Um, Alex Ferguson came in. I always remember when Alex came in, came from Aberdeen, um, Little Gordon Strachan was up at Aberdeen and got sold to Man United. Um, and me and Gordon would always have a chat and he'd say, oh, no, he says, I've just moved to get away from him and now he's back He's back with me. You know, he's back in charge. But um, he, 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 the first year was, a, was a very tough for him. I think it was um, very close to the first FA Cup game that, that if he'd have lost the game, there was always that fear that he would be replaced. He was an untried manager, so to speak, in the pre in the in the division the division one. He'd done ever so well with Aberdeen. He won the cups, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then it, I think it it's like everything else. You need time to settle down. And I think that year, you know, was a case of well, if it had take if it had maybe lost that FA Cup, he would not have been there. But he got a result at the end, of, and and he went on strength to strength, and and done brilliant. I mean, when he got uh, when he when he started to get the youngsters coming through, which has always been a big plus at United. I mean, it's just like you're having, uh, he's, he, it's like him having a lottery ticket with seven players, and they all coming through, which cost him virtually nothing. But they were great players. You had the Giggsy, you had the Nevilles, you had the um, um, Nicky Butts, you had uh, Beckham. You know, they came through, Scolzi. You know, all of a sudden, like, uh, a manager's great when one or two players come through, not six or seven of them that can go in the first team. And what Eric Cantona did, he came along and he was an old head on, uh, 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 you know, on his shoulders. 
And he basically just, okay, fine. A bit like Ronaldo will do now, pass his experience on to the youngsters that are coming through, which is a bit of a replica of what was happening. And so hopefully, patience with, uh, with Ollie, because that's always, always, always going to be, is he good enough? Can he handle it? Can he not handle it? And all this. With Fergie, it was, well, he's going to have to grow up with that. You know, he, you know, he, you had um, Ron Atkinson came in that was, you know, Kruger Ron, as we, he was called, because he had more gold on him than the Incas. And, and you used to, used, to, used to know Ron. You know, you, you, you got Ron, he was a character, and he put together a nice little team. But then when Alex came in, I think when it was a case of, OK, fine, they've got a very uh, um, shrewd manager. I mean, he'd been a, shirt, a shop steward at, um, up in Glasgow, so he knew how to handle people and players, which was man management, which has been turned into a really big thing nowadays, is your man management. And I think that really worked. And, you know, proof is in the pudding. 25, 26 years later, he's picked up so many honours and bits and pieces. He's guided players. He, you know, he picked up the Ronaldos. He's picked up, for instance, the Cantonars and that. And I think that's nice to be able to see exactly what you want and, and to maybe put that in place, and which he did. Yeah, and what do you, bringing it right up to the, the current day, obviously Ronaldo's come in for, for the mm -hmm. second time. Um, <clears throat> what do you see um, Manchester United being capable of doing this season and, and in, the, in the next few seasons? Well, I think what, what the first thing he did, it, it's like he's gone shopping. He's got his shopping list. He's had a look. You know, United have always, you know, United, or everybody thinks they're in for everybody. Well, one man's meat's another man's poison, another coach's poison. So he might not want some of the players that come through. So everybody says, oh, he's linked with this player, this player, this player. But I think you've got to really look at it as a manager, which, which he has done. And he's looked at where he needs to strengthen and he's need and he's seen where he can get. And then obviously all of a sudden you've got somebody that was a fabulous player for the club at the beginning, Ronaldo, when he started, became a legend, became a, um, a, a superb player, became a player that everybody says, oh, I'll tell you what, he, 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 he sets things going. And I think with the strategy of buying um, Cristiano, was that his experience now, he may not give you what he had at seven, 19, 17, 18, but what he will do now is experience is, is, is most valuable. And hence the expression, Mark, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now. And that will always be part of it, you know, and I think that every single player will be, would say that, every single former player. But what you do is you, you take it. He, he played his heart out. He's reached the top. He's staying at the top. He's very fit. And then if you look at Cantona, Cantona wasn't fit fit, but he kept that um, air of confidence about him, the, the, the wanting to be able to promote younger players um, and, and then keep them in hand, so to speak. So the investment on that side for for Sir Alex was he did right to get that. And I think with Oli, Oli's done right with now looking at Ronaldo to do 
the same same type of job as um, uh, as as Eric did, and so you can see the likeness. And of course, with Ollie playing for Fergie, picked up. You don't you don't play for a manager, and not pick up stuff. It's you know forget about when he says, oh well, forget about everything he done. What yeah, no no, that's what makes you a better player. Taking in what you want, throwing out what you don't want. And I think that's basically what's happening now. And getting back to your question is that the capabilities, the squad is strong enough to be able to go, to be able to get to whatever final they want to be able to get to. But it all boils down to how much do they want it? Not, you've got a great squad, and that'd be great. Yeah, you have a mag fantastic squad on paper, but not be able to produce it. And then you've got to keep the harmony. You've got so many players that, 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 yes, I want to play for the first team. I don't want to be sitting on the subs bench. I want to move. I want to transfer. And, and to be able to handle that, you've got to be able to have that man management. And I think what Ollie will do slowly, he'll start to get it, but it will take time. It's not something that comes overnight and we've seen it. So now everybody's smiling at Old Trafford. You know, Ronaldo's come back, come back to the to, to, to home. Now he's got now, you know, people are saying, well, we should win something. Well, I'd hope we it's not so much winning it, it's competing at that level, which for a few years they weren't. And it was like, oh my God, we need to change the manager again. We need to change the manager again. And stability is something that is was needed. They got it. I think I think I think Sir Alex has a very very still a very big influence at the club, without a shadow of a doubt. Why do I say that? Because Samat did exactly the same with Tommy Doherty. So, but that's not bad. That's good because if you're going wrong, you want someone a bit more experienced and somebody maybe like that, Sir Alex, to pull you up and say, "Woo, calm down," you know. So it's it's that type of the club is the step by step. And, you know, once they start, if they pick up a trophy, that's obviously Mark got to be a bonus. And if the players start playing the way they should be playing, that's even, that's even more of a bonus. But when people say, oh, they lost, they lost, they've done this, they've done that. It's a hiccup in the road. They're not immaculate. They're, they're still learning to be able to play together. They still don't know the system, so to speak, or, the, or who's playing with who. Once that happens, once they start to understand, and that only comes with playing in time. Look at the list, the sub list. You could have a first team from the subs. And, and I looked at it today and I went, goodness gracious me, you've got an England centre forward um, or a, a strike. Jesse Lingard sitting on the bench. Jesse can't get a game in the starting 11. But now, Ollie's got to manage it game by game, team by team. Who does he play against Newcastle? Who does he play against Arsenal? Who do, um, I mean, and these players have all got to be groomed to be playing for, them, for, 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 the, for their team. They're all great in their own right, but now they've got to be great as a team. And uh, that's an interesting thing that I don't think anybody can answer at the moment because we've seen it before with teams We've seen Man City got the closest, but the, you know. But if you look at what uh, Pep's done, he's not afraid to 
drop one of their top players. And I think every player must realize now that you're not guaranteed of a place because of the size of the squad. So if he plays somebody because he's playing Liverpool and he might play some, you know, completely different defenders, he might do completely opposite, you know, play a 4-4-2 and then go back, go to a 5-3-2. I mean, systems can only be played if you've got the personnel that can play it. So when they line up 4-4-2, it, it, won't, it might not stay like that. Depends on who you're playing. Gordon, just finally on the impact that Ronaldo will, will have on Man United this season and, and beyond, uh, how important do you think it is that um, people have been talking about the, the energy he's going to bring to the, the club in general, the supporters, and how much he's going to lift the, the club? And we, we saw what he, what he did on his first debut too. Yeah. Not just the fact that he scored two goals on his second debut, but that his presence and I think it's a, it's his presence, Marcus. It's like you said, when, when you have somebody of that caliber, then basically what it is is it's like Messi. Exactly the same as Messi. It's the same as Maradona. Maradona, when he played for the Argentinian team, it was it was lovely to watch. When you watch somebody like Zico play for the Brazilian team, you knew that they could cut you to pieces. You knew that they were the real deal. You knew that. Um, that, yeah, you could have beaten them, but you knew that they weren't lowering their standards. And I think that's what uh, Cristiano will do. He won't. He may not be as quick, but what he'll do, he'll pass it on. It, it, it's like we say, you know, well, I tell you what, if I could move as quick as you, but then all of a sudden some a, a, an older player will say, yeah, but I'll make the ball move quicker. Now you're now starting to get Oh, the, the young players, you know. And it's like when players retire. You know, people say, every time you speak to a player that's retired, he says, tell you what, when that young kid went past me about 100 mile an hour, he said, I knew it was time to give it, you know, to say thanks very much. But you couldn't at that time give him your head. You couldn't give him the, the wise words, the, 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 the wisdom. And so now you've got Cristiano, with the wisdom, with the playing ability, still being able to do it. And what he's doing now, he'll go in and the, and, and the Jadens and, 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 and the, the, the Greenwoods, take as much as you can from it. You know, you know, suck it in until he finishes, till he walks out the stadium. You know, because mannerisms are passed on. And, and with United, it's been there, you know, it's not been... Cristiano Ronaldo, it's not been Eric Cantona, it's not been um, myself, anybody that wants to pass it on. It's been before me, the Bobby Cholton's, you know, and, and the Dennis Laws, uh, the besties, you know. Everybody talks about, you know, oh, bestie, bestie, bestie. When bestie was playing, bestie never had the wisdom that, that people were, have got now. And if you look at now what's happening, and Pat Nevin is a big one on it, is that the mental side of the game. If somebody could have got George on the mental side of the game and in the... Who knows? So the game has changed in that respect. The game has changed in terms of more athletic, run, rabbit, run, 
And, and, you know, you look at, for instance, Jack Grealish, who's a great, great prospect. But then you look at it and say, well, I tell you what, how many players could you see that was like that? And when I played, you had Tony Curry, you had uh, Sammy McElroy, you had, you had Glenn Hoddle. So you got all these players that could turn on a sixpence and every club had one. Every club had one. You know, Stan Bowles, QPR. You knew where these players were. You knew what they were capable of doing. You know, clubs now, you look at it and say, well, is he a top striker? If he's scoring goals, he's a top striker. He's going to have a dry patch. You look at Wayne Rooney. Everybody says, oh, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. All of a sudden, Wayne knew at the end of the day it was time that he, that, that he hung up the boots, so to speak, and done it. But it's... Only when, you, and it's very hard to say, but it's only when players, young whippersnappers come in and go past you in a training session, does that thought start to cross your mind. And that, and that is one of these, yeah, I'll get you next time. Yeah, you're, you're joking. You ain't going to get him. You know, you're, you're winning him to do well, you know. And, and it, it's always your pride that's damaged, you know. When somebody can, when, when, when a goalkeeper, you know, a well-class goalkeeper, you beat a well-class goalkeeper, he doesn't care. His pride's been injured. A defender's pride's been injured when you, when you go past him. And seeing players that do that, and like with, for instance, Cristiano, he still does it a little bit now. And I can guarantee you, all United supporters are going, ooh, ah, great. Well, that's fantastic. But... It's, still, it's, it's in today's football, not tomorrow. It's there today. We've still got it. Other clubs are finding it. We've got it, you know. So that's a big plus for us down the road that we've got even sitting on the bench, you know, got to be able to, like, pass your confidence. And what he can give them is worth his weight in gold. And hopefully, hopefully, he can, you know, put a few more performances in that people say, well, great, thank you, that's great. And he's been a good servant. And now it's time for our weekly look at women's football. Um, Shirelle still isn't well, unfortunately, so we hope you get well soon, Shirelle. Um, but we do have a very special guest and someone that Shirelle knows. It's Leicester City goalkeeper Sophie Harris. So hello, Sophie, and welcome to the Early Doors Football Podcast. Hiya, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No, you're, you're very welcome and, and thank you for uh, being with us on, on the show this week. So can I start with asking you um, about what are the aims for, for Leicester City this season? Because you got promoted from the Championship. Um, what, what, do you, what would you say are the hopes and the aims for Leicester City this season? Uh, I think so. Obviously, um... Uh, as a team last year, they they did extremely well. It's just about finding their feet in the WSL this year. Um, obviously, it's a very competitive uh, league. There's some great teams in there. So it's about um, putting our, our first foot forward, really, um, trying to um, establish ourselves um, as, a, as a good team in the league. But also the way that we play is, is probably something... Uh, different to what what kind of the, the teams are used to so it's about obviously hopefully winning games um, and making sure that, that that the games are competitive 
and yeah just kind of um, showcasing our style of football and, and what we're about and there's obviously there's a reason for why why they did so well last year so obviously um, building on on what they had last year uh, bringing in the new players which we have which have already um, brought in a, a wealth of experience um, to the team already so yeah it will just be about obviously um, kind of taking it by game by game but hopefully well our aims are kind of like top top half of the league um, kind of being realistic yeah and you've got a Leicester City legend, Emil Heskey, um, as an ambassador for you. So what impact has he had so far? Yeah, it's, it's great to have somebody um, like Emil uh, within, within the setup. He, he's got such experience um, and knowledge about the game. So just having him here in a day-to-day and just he's, he's such a nice guy as well. So down to earth. Um, so to have somebody like that within the, the environment and within the setup is just amazing. Um, but even just day day to day, having him out on the pitch, obviously he takes um, a few of the sessions, especially with the strikers as well. So, I mean, you you, you see the likes of Tash and Jess already. They they've got such potential. So being have, having the meal to help them and guide them, um, hopefully can just bring bring the best out of them. So yeah, it's great to just have him on board. And uh, being that you're a goalkeeper, has he taken a few shots against you yet? <laughs> you know what? He's also had a go in, in goal for them as well. So when they've been striking against them, but his power, like, it's just ridiculous. He, he's got such talent still. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really like to get in the way of his shots, if I'm honest. I'd rather just applaud. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, fair enough. And your, what about your own personal aims this season? Because you're 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 a goalkeeper. You're, you're not the first choice at the moment. So, what what would you like to to achieve this season? Um, for me, obviously, obviously, personally, I, I'm still yet to um, put on a shirt and go and and play a competitive game um, for Leicester. So, that would probably for, be for me personally. Hopefully, being able to showcase myself, but. Yeah, Kirsty Kirsty's a great keeper, and you can see that already in in the first couple of games that we've had. I mean, her, her game against United, she made some great saves, um, and every day it's just competitive within training. Um, so it's just about supporting her, making sure she's as ready as she can be, um, and if my my time comes to be able to put on the shirt and play some minutes, then hopefully, yeah, I, I, I'll just show show what I'm about. But um, it's just yeah. Um, day by day, taking it, making sure that we're we're still competing one another, keeping keeping training high, and yeah, just being able to support in whatever way I can um, to to help the team both on and off the pitch. Like like the coaches say, it's not just about the the starting eleven; it's a, it's a team sport and it's a squad game. So you just never know when you're, especially being a keeper, it's such a hard position that just any time you might be called upon. Um, so it's just making sure day by day. I keep myself ready, I keep myself fit. So if my time comes, then um, I can take it. Well, I, I wish you well with that. And uh, I just wanted to ask you about the championship because Leicester came up from the championship last season. Who do you see uh, doing well in the championship this season? Well, if you'd have asked me this a few weeks ago, my, my answers might have been um, different. But already you can see... Um, just just by the results so far, it's such an open league this year. I mean, I, we were saying the other week, we're so glad we, we took the opportunity and, and we won the league last year um, because it's just, you can't call it 
you see teams that have become full time, perhaps not kind of showing showing where, where they're at at the minute. Maybe results haven't gone their way, but you can see some already um, having a good start to the season. So I think it's just like I said with us, you they're going to have to take it game by game and. You would have said Liverpool were, were one of the, the top runners, but their, their start to the season hasn't been that great. Um, and then you see the likes of Sheffield um, near the top that have, have always been up and around the top, top half of the table. So it's potentially they've had a year and I think their squad is quite similar. Um, they've got good, a few good youth players as well coming up. So you just don't know. I, I, you can't call it. There, there's some great teams as well within that league so it will be definitely one one league to watch and I'm watching the highlights um week in week out and you'll be able to see some some top players also um coming through that league which is great uh and Sophie you've got your your own um goalkeeping business tell us a little bit about that yeah, um, I mean, I was lucky when I was younger. I had my my dad um, as my goalkeeping coach. He he had his own goalkeeping business as well. Um, so for me, when, when I was younger, I had those opportunities um, to be able to to grow as a, as a player. Um, but I don't think there is, especially with goalkeeping, there isn't that many that, that many opportunities out there for, especially for young girls that that are trying to make it. Um, so it's just about it's just about giving giving young young people um, opportunities. That so I've just had two camps recently. Uh, one was an all girls camp and one was a mixed camp. And I also did one with um, Chloe Morgan with her um, in the May half term. And it was it was a great few days just to be involved with, um, just to be able to see young girls, the talent that's out there um, and just have, have them come together um, as a day and be able to, to, to kind of showcase themselves with meet each other and kind of give them a platform to develop as well. And hopefully that's something that, that um, I can provide moving forward. So there will be one um, coming up in October that, that I'm um, due to announce shortly. Um, but yeah, it's just it's great to be able to start that and and like I said, um, give give people the opportunities that perhaps weren't there when I was when I was younger. The women's game is growing, so there's going to be a lot more um, a lot more um, teams and hopefully leagues coming up throughout the three years. So if I can help develop them and, and, and help them set them up on their journey then that's that's all I can ask for really. Fantastic and, and if somebody would like some more information what's the website address? Um, yeah so uh, it's all over my my social media as well um, but if they want to, to have a look it's www.sh-goalkeeping.co.uk um, but if they if they would like to go and have a look, um, it's due to be announced then and also on my social media. Right. OK, well, Sophie, uh, thank you so much for joining us and really wish you well for the, for the rest of the season. And I appreciate that. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Sophie. And now it's time for football fans from around the world. And my guest this week is Fran Carroll. And Fran is a Brentford fan in, in Dublin. So, Frank, could I start by asking you why you started supporting Brentford? Yeah, um, I was. Um, I grew up as a Man United supporter, and back in um, 2000, I went. I was 
living and working in London and um, Brentford were playing Spurs in the old Worthington Cup and uh, I managed to get a few tickets. Um, I was going to see Spurs effectively and um, when I went in I had just such great fun and uh, it was like it was like coming home almost uh, with the crowd, the supporters, uh, just the fun I had with them and, and, and I was back to kind of watching at the time I thought real football as opposed to watching Man United winning week in week out and I just started going back uh, every Tuesday every Saturday I could uh, I got hooked that's fantastic and in all of that time um, what would you say has been your your best memory of supporting Brentford um, obviously I suppose you always get the personal side of things for me it was the the, the match I brought my son to uh, where he was a mascot uh, back in, uh, I think it was September in two th- uh, 2016, uh, Brentford versus Preston. And uh, Alfie, uh, my, my, my brother, who just passed away this year, gave it to him as a, as a, a birthday Christmas present. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great game. And uh, having uh, Brentford win 5-0, uh, a bonus. And to see also Scott Hogan, one of the Irish bees, scoring a hat-trick in the game as well. So overall, a fantastic day. Um, but I suppose as well, another huge memory is the Arsenal game just gone by. Who can beat that? <laughs> yeah, it, it was just that um, opening day of the season. Uh, I think there was a lot of anticipation there, wasn't there? And and you've had um, you've had a great start to the season, and obviously all eyes on Ivan Tony at the moment. But who's your favourite Brentford player in in all the time that you've been supporting Brentford? Uh, on the slightly biased side, there has to be an Irish player. Uh, but I think there'll be many, many uh, Brentford supporters will agree with me that Alan Judge uh, has been absolutely spectacular in his time when he was with um, with uh, Brentford. Um, I mean, he scored some hugely important goals, none more so than the penalty uh, to give us promotion uh, to the championship um, against um, it was against Preston on Good Friday. So um, and Alan, he was—I mean, absolutely fantastic. He was—it was gutting that he he lost his big money move to Newcastle, the, the leg break. But uh, he—he's just um, just such a um, an instrumental player and so creative. He was—he was magnificent. And you, obviously, fantastic for for Brentford to get in the Premier League. And you mentioned the the first game of the season at Arsenal, fantastic occasion. So where do you think Brentford will will finish this season? Yeah, I mean it's a tough one. I think I think every Brentford supporter will take seventeenth, you know, um, hoping not to go down. Similar when we came up into the championship, we were we were hoping that we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't go straight back down again. Um, so I mean seventeenth, I think we would take. But I think to be to be honest, they're playing so well so far, and if they can keep up the kind of the the the, the style of football um, uh, that they're playing, I think we could probably nip maybe fourteenth. More than likely 15th, I think. But, you know, again, anything anything uh, above 17th will, will just do us fine. All right, Fran. Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you personally and also a Brentford fan. Because uh, I think Brentford probably this season, uh, a few people, is their second club, shall we say. So great to speak to you. And um, uh, we'll hopefully get you back on later in the season to see how your prediction's going. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, I'll be wrong and we'll uh, even be in the top ten. <laughs> great stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Fran. Great to speak to you. Great. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Thank you. Early Doors Football Podcast for football fans worldwide.
If you want to get in touch with Mark and the rest of the team, you can reach them on early doors at forthenow.co.uk.